like to direct your attention to the book of Matthew. I don't really, I don't really think I'm going to preach all that long here this morning. Um, but when the Spirit is done, that's when I'm done. But I really felt like you know, it's kind of different with me sometimes. There was, uh, there was over 100 people here on Friday night at 8 p.m. We had our first all-night prayer meeting here Friday night. So what you're feeling, thank you to those of you that were here and prayed. We're feeling a residual effect of that. And uh, we're going we're gonna to start doing that once a quarter in this church with prayer and fasting. At 6 a.m., there was a little over 20 that were here. But everybody played their part, and everybody did awesome. And we're so excited to be a part of what God is doing in this area. Famous chapter, of course, but we're going to go a little, little different route than probably what you considered in Matthew 28. Let's start in verse number 1. In the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn the first day of the week, notice all those identif identifying factors and statements about the time. In the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first week, first day of the week, came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to see the sepulcher. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven, came and rolled back the stone from the door, and he sat upon it. His countenance was like lightning and his raiment white as snow. And for fear of him, the keepers did shake and became as dead men. We'll talk about who these keepers were in a few moments. And the angel answered and said unto the women, Fear not ye, for I know that you seek Jesus, which was crucified. He is not here. For he is risen, as he said, Come see the place where the Lord lay and go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And behold, he goeth before you into Galilee. There shall ye see him. Lo, I have told you. And they departed quickly from the sepulcher with fear and great joy and did run to bring his disciples word. Once again, while you're standing, verse number one. In the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week. And I simply want to talk to us what happened to Saturday. And I have a subtitle. And it goes something like this. What happened to Saturday and in parentheses, taking care of business. And I'm not talking about Bachman Turner Overdrive. 
Let's pray. Father, we love you. We praise you. Thank you for this tremendous host, people that is here today, standing in your presence. Pray for the power of the Holy Ghost that was shed abroad upon all flesh 2,000 years ago to direct our hearts, our steps, our decision-making, our choices. We ask you for all of this in the name above every name, the name of Jesus Christ. And everybody said, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. As all of you know today, it is Easter. With something as notable on our calendar as Easter, one would think that the word Easter would be a notable, reoccurring place in Scripture. But the reality of it is, it's only mentioned one time in Acts chapter 12, more as almost like a footnote rather than a declaration of the time or the importance of a day. By religious definition, Easter means an observance and celebration of the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. I want to tell you I'm pretty excited about that. And if I could just add this, if I really wouldn't wait until it says you can do that on the calendar to do that. You know, you can do that every day. In fact, if you receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, which is in the Bible, you will do that every day. Because every time you call on the name of Jesus, you're not talking about somebody that's waiting for a Sunday in April to finally appear. But you're talking about somebody that is alive and well. In the book of Mark, chapter number 16, starting in verse number one, it says this. And when the Sabbath was passed, notice the reference to time again, just as it was in Matthew 28 and verse number one. Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James and Salome, had brought sweet spices that they might come and anoint him. And very early in the morning, the first day of the week, once again, an incredible, specific, wanting us to know specifically the day and the time they came unto the sepulcher at the rising of the sun. And they said among themselves, who shall roll away us away the stone from the door of the sepulcher? And when they looked, they saw that the stone was rolled away, for it was very great. And entering into the sepulcher, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, clothed in a long white garment, and they were affrighted. And he saith unto them, Be not affrighted, you seek Jesus of Nazareth, which was crucified. He is risen, he is not here. Behold the place where they have laid him. Now, both are text in Matthew 28, and then this passage here in Mark absolutely, uh, unequivocally reveal that this is talking about the resurrection, the fact that there is an empty tomb. And it's saying on the first day of the week, at the morning, the first 
day of the week. And then one of my favorite scriptures, but it's found in the epistles, is in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And the reason why this is notable is because this is the Apostle Paul that is giving the definition of the gospel. Now, the word gospel literally means in your Bible and in my Bible, it means good news. But there is, obviously, there's a broader, deeper, richer understanding of really what the gospel is. And 1 Corinthians chapter number 15 reveals that. Verse number one, moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also you have received, and wherein ye stand. Now, the apostle Paul did not, did not get saved until Acts chapter number nine, and uh, Corinth did not receive the gospel until Acts chapter number 18. Verse number two, by which also ye are saved, if you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. Now, this is why it's important. It's because the apostle is getting ready to reveal to us exactly what he preached to a largely Gentile church that was not even reached until Acts chapter number 18. Approximately 28 to 30 years, pardon me, approximately 20 to 22 years after the day of Pentecost. Verse number three. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. Notice with me again the reference of the third day. So the first day is when he died. The third day he rose again. Next verse, please. And that he was seen of Cephas, then of the twelve. And after that he was seen of about 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain unto this present, but some are fallen asleep. And that has critical value that we'll refer to here in several moments. Notice with me, first of all, that the gospel is not just that Jesus died on the cross. Now that is incredibly important, and theologically, um, the doctrine of salvation is called soteriology. That is the doctrine or the theology of salvation. And so when Jesus said it is finished on the cross, he fulfilled the sacrificial requirement for sin with the shedding of his blood. Can somebody say amen? But the apostle Paul did not stop there with his definition of the gospel. In many, and I'm not, I'm, I'm just trying to be more educational at this point right now, but in over 90% of the denominational and ecumenical world, that's where the gospel would have stopped. That's why Christian symbolism, Christian symbolism still has Jesus on the cross. And I'm not being unkind here, but I am being educational. I'm trying to be informational right now. But Paul said that the gospel is far beyond just Jesus dying. He said that Jesus died, was buried, and then on the third day he rose again. So if I understand that as the def definition of the gospel, the definition of the gospel would be the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. Let's go ahead and clap our hands for that. That's a big deal. That's a big deal in our world that is looking for minimal. 
the minimalistic view of our world is to get more for less. That's true. That's part of the, the sociological culture enshapement of the world. And unfortunately, that's even reached into the theological beliefs of the church. And I use that phrase very, that covers everybody. But the gospel is more than just the death. It is the death, the burial, and the resurrection. And if I could just take, with, by, with your permission, just take a step further, the death is where he shed his blood. Okay, for the remission of sin. There is no, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins, right? So when Jesus died, that's when he shed his blood. We'll talk about the rest later. You might be in a better mood. In both Matthew's account that we read and in Mark's account, the tomb was empty on the first day of the week. And according to Judaism, that would be today. That would be Sunday. The first day of the week in Judaism is Sunday to us. Religiously, in 1 Corinthians chapter number 15, Paul's gospel begins on Friday. That's also substantiated by Matthew and Mark. And this is called by hundreds of millions of quote-unquote Christians in our world today, Good Friday. Well, you might be asking the same question. I'm not trying to be derogatory or... or Anything. I'm just asking the same question that's on your mind that was on my mind. What makes it so good? What's so good about Friday? Here they have scourged Jesus in the praetorium. They brought false witnesses. They've spit. They've slapped him. They've beat him. They've mocked him. And then they put him to death on a cross. What's so good about Friday? What's good about Friday is that that's not the end of the story. You might be in a trial right now, the trial for your life. What makes it good? Because there's going to be an end, and you're going to come out. Yea, though I walk through the valley. Honey, I don't park my car in the valley. I don't build a condominium in the valley. I don't live in the valley. I'm moving all the way through the valley and go from faith to faith and victory to victory. I meet a lot of people that they get into a trial and their whole, their whole faith system, their whole emotional well-being all goes in the bucket. Why? Because to them, living for God is based on emotions. If I feel good, I'm doing good. And that is the basis of superstition, not faith. When you have faith, it, it, it could be raining, but the sun is shining in here. The devil could be barking, but I've got the word of God in my hand. No matter what the devil tries to put on me, God is in control. God is the master of the universe. God is the Elohim. Somebody lift your voice and give him great praise. It's Good Friday because Sunday's coming. Yeah. 
It's a good day today because I'm going to come through this trial just like I came through the last trial. Hallelujah. It is also called, synonymously, it is called Sacred Friday. It's called Passion Friday. And it's called Good Friday. Because it points towards Sunday. It provides us with the ways, the means, and the opportunity for the miracle known as the resurrection. But uniquely, between the death and between the resurrection, we don't hear a lot of preaching about that. Because we don't celebrate Saturday. But it's what happened on Saturday that I want to preach about. Or if you've been paying attention since I started preaching, taking care of business. So between the death and between the resurrection, according to 1 Corinthians 15, and according to both Matthew's account and Mark's account, Friday is Good Friday and Sunday is Easter. But that leaves a 24-hour period that's unaccounted for. <laughs> Somebody said, well, they... They must have buried him on that day. No, according to Matthew chapter number 27, verse number 57. When the even was come, there came a rich man of Arimathea called or named Joseph, who also himself was a disciple of Jesus, verse 59. And when Joseph had taken the body, he wrapped it in a clean linen cloth and laid it in his own new tomb, which he had hewn out in the rock, and he rolled a great stone to the door of the sepulcher and departed. And so Friday evening is when they buried Jesus. According to Matthew chapter number 27, it was in the evening. Now that, biblically, that covers, that covers a lot of chronology right there. But biblically, it could mean when the sun goes down. Mark chapter number 15 echoes this. Interestingly, these were texts that were used to reveal unto us when Jesus was crucified. We read them at the outset of this message. But in Mark 15, 42, the Bible says, and now the even or the evening was come because it was the preparation. That is the day before the Sabbath. So it's not yet Saturday. It's still Friday. This will all mean something by and by. Next verse, please. 
And he bought fine linen, took him down, wrapped him in the linen, and laid him in a sepulcher, which was hewn out of a rock, rolled a stone unto the door of the sepulcher. And so Mark echoes Matthew's recording that it took place on Good Friday. Once again, just to keep it firmly etched in our minds, he died on Friday, resurrected on Sunday. But I want to know what happened on Saturday. Well, nothing. Nothing happened on Saturday. I mean, you know, we were watching the tomb and nothing happened. Just put him in there, rolled a big stone. And now it's Saturday. So what is Saturday biblically? Saturday is the Sabbat. It is the Sabbath. And Judaism has an endless amount of ceremonial conditions. But more specifically, you may recall in the Genesis account that after six days of creation, God rested. God did not rest because he was tired. God cannot experience tiredness. He cannot experience exhaustion. He thinks it, he speaks it, through the Logos, it becomes reality. It becomes actuated. But yet this became the basis of Jewish law and custom because it became the fourth condition of the Decalogue, which means the Ten Commandments. Let's go to the book of Exodus, chapter number 20, to take a look at that. This is on the Saturday. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath. Now to the Jews, once again, Sunday is the first day of the week. Saturday is the last day. Of course, that doesn't matter in the New Testament in the Holy Ghost because there's going to be people that regard any holy day, but all days are alike now in the New Testament. Somebody said, praise the Lord. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it thou shalt not do any work, thou nor thy son nor thy daughter nor thy manservant nor maidservant. Those were indentured servants. They weren't slaves. They were servants. Nor thy cattle nor thy stranger that is within thy gates. Next verse. For in six days the Lord made the heaven and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested the seventh day. Wherefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it, or determined it to be holy. No work. No labor. Nothing that would make you tired. No exhaustion. Nothing. So, Jesus died, if you please, on the sixth day, and I'm just overlaying this with what we see in the book of Genesis. The Sabbath was on Saturday, and then the first day of the new week, he resurrects. Isn't that beautiful? 
We don't have time here this morning to review all of the ceremonial and religious laws attached to the Sabbath. You can't pick up sticks. They were constantly on all over Jesus for healing people on the Sabbath. And I love, we don't have time to get into all this, but Jesus always had a response. And the response basically was this, that God's people, their welfare is more important than that. And which of you would have a beast of burden fall into a, a pit and not immediately extricate that animal out of the pit? Why shouldn't Jesus then heal God's people on the Sabbath? And that's just one occasion. So Friday he is died and buried, and Sunday he will rise again. But we want to know, as an incredible host of people here today, repeat after me, we want to know what he did on Saturday. I'm glad you asked. What were the Jewish leaders doing on Saturday that Jesus was in the tomb? Matthew chapter 27, verse number 62, watch this. And the next day that followed, the day of the preparation, the chief priests and the Pharisees, I'm trying to dramatize my, my voice here, and came together unto Pilate, next verse, saying, sir, we remember that the deceiver said, while he was yet alive, after three days I will rise again. Command, therefore, that the sepulcher be made sure until the third day, lest his disciples come by night and steal him away. They weren't even saying that he might just raise from the dead. They were afraid that his followers would steal his body. Which is why I believe that after Jesus did rise from the dead, that he revealed himself to at least 500 because that was his way of absolutely denouncing and blowing to smithereens the plans of the chief priests that you're going to try to start a conspiracy. You know there's people that are into conspiracy theories. This is an incredible conspiracy theory. And they, it went even beyond this. We don't, we don't have time to explore this. They, they had meetings. Oh, what, what do we do? What are we going to do about this? What, uh, what if somebody tries to steal them? And what if, he, what, what if this happens? And what if that happens? And da-da-da-da-da-da-da. They did everything they could to make it look like we got rid of the problem. Something happened on Saturday. I know they put him in a tomb. I know they made it secure and now they got guards out there. But that's okay. Because Jesus did something on Saturday that escapes a lot of religious notice, which is why they celebrate Good Friday and they celebrate Easter on Sunday, but they overlook Saturday. But not us. Not us. Go to 1 Peter chapter number 3. For Christ also has once suffered for sins. That's the cross. That's the crucifixion. 
the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened in the spirit. So we have another thing to add to this. He shed his blood on Friday, but was quickened on Sunday. We're filling in some blanks. No, 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 no. This is in your Bible. You're probably thinking, you know what? For generations, we've gone to Mass. We've gone to our church. They've talked about that there was Good Friday and that there was Easter. And I'm in agreement with all that. But we cannot overlook what happened on Saturday. And let's go to the next verse. By which he also went and preached unto the spirits in prison. Stop! Stop! Now listen, we've been watching this sepulcher for 36 hours and ain't nothing happened. In fact, the hawkers and the mockers are now selling popcorn and selling, uh, they're selling programs to see what's going to happen, to see if Jesus the Great is going to come out of this thing the next day. And don't you know, there were charlatans and mockers and it, it was filled with, with all kinds of people and situations. And we haven't seen one thing happen. You got to understand what Jesus did on Saturday happened in the spirit. And he was taking care of business, letting the devil know you ain't in control anymore. I got some keys to prove it. I got keys to death. Go to Revelations 1 and verse 18. I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of what? Of what? What Jesus did on Saturday, while the religious leaders were getting a good rest, Jesus said, I ain't doing nothing that is observable. I'm not doing anything in front of people. I'm going to go into the deepest parts of hell and take the keys of death, hell, and the grave and set this thing free. Devil, you might have had yesterday, but you can't have today. I might have messed up last week, but it's different. Than, come on, clap your hand. You in the back, do something. I'm here to tell this congregation that good news is on the way. The devil is no longer in control. This is one of these things, you just, you're just going to have to hook your wagon up with me. This is not religion. This is not religion. Religion is man's attempt to worship God. This is not religion. This is a work of the Holy Ghost. This is a work of God. It did not take place in the open. It didn't take place out never. Man, I don't even know if you can get the Holy Ghost. I don't care what you, you don't know beans about what God did when he brought me out of darkness and brought me out of chains and brought me out of prison and brought me. He did it in private. 
Somebody go ahead and clap your hand. I don't do the stuff I used to do anymore because he's done the work. He came and preached to the inside of every man. Well, if I, there's people in this hour, I'm telling you. Well, if I don't see it, it must not have happened. Here's a bag of peanuts. Sit down and be quiet. Man, y'all had church service today. Yeah. Do you see that guy running? A guy used to be in a drug treatment program going through the motions, and he was doing drugs on the side when nobody else could see him, but God saw him. Welcome home. It's good to see you guys right here. But when he received the baptism of reality, that happened on the end. You ain't got to see nothing. He's running. He's jumping. He's shouting. He's holding down a job. He quit cussing. He quit drinking. He... He's now submitted. He's now accountable. He's now thankful. Give him praise. Lift your hand and give God the praise. Yeah, most Americans today are in congregations that only articulate what happened on Friday and what happened on Sunday. That is a fact. But when you become a true believer... It's not just what the religious holidays are. It's the one nobody else is talking about. What happened when nobody's seen it? Jesus went and preached to all them spirits that were in prison and said, you know what? It's all different now, boys. I got the keys right here. You don't... You don't have to be depressed. You don't have to be down and out. You don't have to be a loser. You don't have to be an alcoholic. You don't have to be a drug addict. You don't. Oh, I wish that somebody could run right now that has experienced the power of Saturday. Oh, I wish there's some. She's a new convert. Don't let her run by herself. I'm here to rejoice with them that rejoice. Because I've experienced a Saturday, not some religious flowing robes of religiosity, but the power of an almighty God that walked into the chambers of my life and set me free. Everybody in the building, let's clap our hands and give him praise. God's here to take care of business. God's here to take the keys and set you free from the things the world is telling you is okay. You may be seated. My dear sister back there, she's telling Sister Mary. You know, Mary's not the only one in the Bible. We got a Sister Mary. In fact, we got a couple Sister Marys. They both run. Or at least think about it. You know, the older I get, the more I think about running. But I got a lot of miles on me. Brother Davey said, I can point to the devil and say, nah, I was running back then, I was running then, and I'm still going to get, I'm not going to let no new convert out worship me that's never had a healing and never had a miracle and never had a deliverance. 
I'm not going to let somebody brand new out worship me when he saved me from drugs, saved me from abortion. Go ahead and shout and give him praise. He's not in that tomb. He's right here. He's all over this building. He's all over this world. Everybody all right? Look at your neighbor and say, are you all right? Look at your other neighbor and say, the pastor's going to talk to us about some stuff. It's going to be X-rated. Because I can see right through stuff. I know what your brain was thinking. I was thinking X-ray. Transgenderism. Those, those transgender people, they are welcome to come to this church. I want it live. Don't you leave here and say that church is mean. No, no, no. If you're breathing, you're welcome here. But bless your heart, we're going to watch God set you free from the inside out. Somebody lift your voice louder than a dance floor. Somebody lift your voice louder than the voices of this world. That was on Saturday, which is now you know why nobody's talking about Saturday. takes one to know one. It takes somebody getting liberated in the hell that you're living to be able to see somebody else. And that's why you're not afraid to witness the transgenders, guys on death row, people in this world. Ah, we don't want that kind in our church. You send them on over here. And I'll watch a risen Savior take the keys of death and hell off of their life and turn them into a devil chaser. You go ahead and send them over to this pastor and watch the power of God liberate them and set them free. Shout with a voice of triumph. Okay, you may be seated. Pastor, aren't you afraid of the LGBTQ? No. Because I'm part of the RJCFED. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. What is the RJCFED? Radical for Jesus Christ 
every day. Honey, if they can carry signs, don't stop me from witnessing to some guy on the job. If they can spout that nonsense, then I can talk to somebody about the goodness and the power of a risen God. In the end time, it's coming down. It's going to come down. It's going to come down to the radical forces of this world. The transgenders are saying, I was born wrong. The homosexual community, and I say that without a shred of arrogance or sarcasm, but they're saying, I was born this way. So what is it? Okay, I was born this way, and this person was born wrong. That's what's coming down in the end time. You must be born again. Because after you get the blood, when you go down in the water on Saturday, somebody lift your voice. I'm going somewhere. Something happens in that water. Go to Romans chapter 6. Look at this with me. I'm not trying to trick you. This stuff's in the Bible. Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. That means when Jesus died on the cross and they buried him in a tomb, it is applied to your life when you repent of your sins and you're baptized in Jesus' name. What happens in that water? Therefore, see, we want to celebrate the fact that Jesus did that. Great. But now Jesus expects you to obey the gospel and let him apply that to your individual life. You are not saved by shaking the preacher's hand. You are not saved by believing that he's Lord and Savior. You are saved by going through the death, the burial, and the resurrection, the blood, the water, the spirit, repentance, baptism, and the Holy Ghost. What happened in the water when the nation of Israel was obeying the Old Testament form of Acts 2.38? They applied the blood to the doorpost of their dwelling by the commandment of God through Moses. They walked through the Red Sea on dry shod as they followed Moses. And then when that last person, out of three million strong, crossed the Red Sea, God said, when Pharaoh and those chariots get right in the middle of the water, let your hands go and let the water cover their enemy. The devil might have followed you in here, but the devil can't go home with you today. 
My God, I'm fixing to preach, Cornerstone. It takes more than repentance. It takes more than Friday. Now we got to get liberated from death, hell, and the grave on Saturday. I'm not sure Martin Luther believed that. Well, Martin Luther didn't believe a lot of things. He came right out of the Catholic Church. I'm not sure John Calvin would approve of this. And I'm not sure the Wesley brothers. And I'm not sure. 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 The gospel is the death, the burial, and the resurrection. I don't care who said what in the Middle Ages. I don't care who said what in the Reformation. I got black and white right there that said on Saturday, Jesus went into the prison and he set some things free. If you have not been baptized in Jesus' name, here is water. It's about 90 degrees. We have baptismal garments. We have fresh, fluffy towels. Dude, don't give me some Motel 6 towel from Tom Bodette. I got to have a fluffy towel. No, you're important enough that when you go down in the name of Jesus, you're getting a fluffy towel. You ain't getting a hand-me-down. You're not getting used because when you come out of that water, you might have used, you might have used a lot of F-words, but you ain't going to use them on this side. You might have been doing a lot of dope, but you ain't going to do it on this side. You might have been a, a robber and a thief, but you ain't going to do it. That's what happened on Saturday. So, this is going to hit you kind of hard, and I don't mean anything by it, but just listen to me. This is why most mainline denominations today, they don't want to talk about Saturday because they don't have a clue what's going on in the spirit. That was a spirit thing that happened. He went and preached to the spirits that were in prison. Let's go back to that scripture, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 19. He went and preached to the spirits that were in prison. Jesus went to hell. Go to, people don't believe me. Go to verse 18. For Christ alone has once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. When he took the sins of humanity, it would have been forfeited had he not followed the direction of being a lost soul. The difference when Jesus is, when he got to hell, there wasn't a homecoming. What the devil thought was his, Jesus said, hand the keys over, buddy. You might have got the keys back in Genesis, but guess what? I'm here now, and now we're turning it all around. But people that are religious don't have a clue what's going on. They just saw me go in this thing, and they'll see me come out of this thing, but they don't know what's going on. 
What's going on? Man, when I, got, when I got saved, they sent guys from the heavy metal band that I was in over to my house. Knocked on the door. It was a guy we called Mildew. His real name was Miller. We called him Mildew. Mildew, come in to my apartment. And he said, hey, man. He said, uh, what's been going on? I said, man, I've never been doing so good. He said, well, listen, I got some Coke. I've got an eight ball. We got more coming tonight. We got some people meeting us at the club tonight. And uh, he said, he started taking that dope out. Oh, I got some of your attentions now. Some of you, man, your, your rabbit ears are like, dude, this guy's on it now. Yeah, he started pulling dope out and laying it on the table and, and he's saying, yeah, you know, we heard that, man, maybe use a Jesus freak now, but he was thinking him and the devil were saying, oh, boy, we got this guy just where we want him. There's the Coke, and, and I was known as a vacuum cleaner for cocaine, and he pulled that dope out and pulled a little mirror out and getting ready to do some stuff, and while he was just chomping at the bit and just flapping his jaws, uh, Brother Adrian, I reached for the Bible that Brother Steve Malone gave me. And I turned it to Acts chapter 2 and verse 38. And I said, repent and be baptized. I said, right here, Miller, this is what I had to do. And this is why it's different now. Not just going to a church. Not just accepting Jesus as my Savior. Not just going to some big thousand-member denomination. But I went down in the name. I was buried in the name. Come on, clap your hands and give God the praise. You want to know what the answer to your problem is? It is not a counselor. It is not spending thousands of dollars on a psychiatrist. It is, it is getting that monkey off your back through the power of the name of Jesus. So I reached for my Bible and turned it to Acts 2.38, and you should have seen him get those drugs together. He just stuffed them in his pocket. He grabbed his little stuff and hit that door. Just by the time I got, and you shall receive the Holy Ghost. Let's lift our hands. and I'm almost done. I, I'm, I know you go to a good church. I, I know all that. But if it's not repent, baptism in the name of Jesus, what happened to the titles Father, Son, Holy Ghost? That was started by the Catholic Church in the third century. First three centuries, they baptized exclusively in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. Really? Is that in the Bible? Yeah. Acts 2, Acts 8, Acts 10, Acts 19, and a host of other scriptures. Well, I just, baptism doesn't really matter anyway. You can't rise again unless you've been buried. You're preaching an incomplete message. You believe an incomplete message, which is why nothing's different. You ain't got more power over the devil than a flea does on a, on a countertop. But honey, when you're prayed up and you've been baptized in the name, the devil's got to back up. The devil's got to leave. The backslider's got to come home. Lift your voice like a trumpet and give him praise.
Let Jesus take care of your business today. Go back to Romans chapter 6, please. Know ye not that so many of us were baptized into Jesus Christ. When you're baptized in the name of Jesus, the death and the burial, good to see you today, is applied to your life. As a little kid, and I don't know what they said. I go ahead and get it in Jesus' name. You're full grown now, and right now is when you need it. The devil's fighting you now, not when you were a kid. Man, I was a little tiny new convert. This is why I know this stuff works. You're not prepared. And I would never say it's between me and God. Some of the stuff that I was battling way on the inside of my life. I was was praying one afternoon. I got home from work. As soon as I got home, I went into prayer. Somewhere in the course of that prayer meeting, the Holy Ghost brought a picture, a snapshot of my face when I was 12 years old. There's some things you rebuke them, rebuke them, rebuke them. When Jesus, the Spirit of God, showed me that picture of myself, something broke on the inside of me. Because, see, 12 years of age is when it happened. And this is why we have an entire generation that has so many compulsive idiosyncrasies that they've given them all kinds of compulsive habits, compulsive behaviors. They don't even know why they're doing it. It's when that first you first gave yourself to that as a child, there was a spirit that gained access. You're not possessed. But he has a right to your life because that door has been opened. Maybe even unwilling participation if you were sexually ever abused or physically abused. There are spirits now that have gained access. You're not possessed. Man, I don't know if I'm ready for this kind of stuff, preacher. Welcome to the 21st century. You're not going to win spiritual warfare with John 3.16 and a couple popsicle sticks. That's not going to work. You're going to have to have some power. You're going to have to have something in your own life that's greater than the spirits that are attacking you. You ought to get out of the ministry if you ain't got enough power to even govern your own life. 
man, I don't know if I'm ready for this kind of stuff. If Jesus walked into this room stepping right out of the Bible, 99% of the denominational churches wouldn't even recognize him because he'd start speaking to the spirit world and you'd start calling elders and pastors and everybody. When the Spirit of God brought that little picture of my face, the snare was broken. And let me tell you when the snare is broken. When you now have a choice. Now you're just in bondage because you choose to be. Let's lift our hands. What the Spirit of God does is give you the choice at the deepest strata and level of existence. And now it's your choice whether you want to be free. No, come on, let's pray. This is a this is a special moment right now. I am I am speaking to principalities and powers that came in here on the backs of people that walked into this place today. And I'm speaking directly to them. You have no power, you have no ownership. It was broken on Saturday. The snare is broken. The prison is open. At the deepest levels. But if it's just all contemporary Christian music and modern day messages to help us cope instead of convict us for our sin. Because sin is the ticket that gives Satan permission to continue to operate. Romans chapter 6, verse number 4. Therefore we are buried with him. How? If you've not been baptized in Jesus' name, it's impossible to go around the scripture. And it's amazing how many people do because of grandma, grandpa, my neighbors. I love the pastor. I love the people in that church. I do too. But I got to tell them the truth. Buried with him in baptism. That like as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so, we also should walk in newness of life. Blood, water, spirit, death, burial, resurrection, repentance, Baptism, Holy Ghost power. Go to Colossians chapter number two. In the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. We can theologically argue with one singular scripture, but we got we got these that back each other up. Buried. With him in baptism. Wherein also ye are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God who raised him from the dead. 
Keep reading in Colossians 2. Blotting out the handwriting of ordinances. That's all Satan needed to have permission in your life. Was that little book report he's got on you. Yeah, when they were 12, they were all experimenting. They were doing things they ought not do, but I got a hold of a couple of them. And I was able to bend and make them malleable to be a warped version of what God's seen. Blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us. What did he do on Saturday? I'm revealing to you what he did when nobody was watching. Which was contrary to us and took it out of the way. Nailing it to the cross. Next verse. <laughs> and having spoiled demons and devils, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them. I need somebody to run right now. Don't make fun of this one running. That one used to be on drugs. That one right there, you're not ready to hear about it. That one running there was threatening to quit. That one running there. That one, everyone, everyone. Clap your hands and give God the praise. Welcome to the whole council of God. My last scripture, remain standing, do whatever you want to do. Ephesians chapter number four. <laughs> there is one body, one spirit, even as you are called, and one hope of your calling. Next verse. One Lord. Why do people in our world need so much evidence? Because we are living in the age of intellectualism with hundreds of millions of smartphones, computers, data of information to get out of anything that we are confronted with. Go to that second set of scriptures that I gave you. Wherefore, when he saith he ascended up on high, talking about Jesus in Acts chapter number one, after he gave his last words to his believers, the Bible said he ascended up on high. But that wasn't the first time he ascended. When he went into the depths of the earth and preached to the spirits that were in prison, that was his first ascension. Look at this. Now that he ascended, what is it but that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth? Next verse. 
He that descended is the same also that ascended up far above the heavens that he might fill all things. Next verse. And he gave some apostles and prophets and some evangelists, pastors and teachers. You missed a verse in there, brother. Go to the one that you missed. He led captivity captive. Wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive. When he went down, he opened the prison. He said, let's go. And gave gifts unto men. What were the gifts that he gave to men? Next verse. Next verse. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. That's not a gift. I don't want some dude telling me what to do. If you get free and they help you stay free. My pastor can say anything he wants. I'm as free as a bird. I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing. Come on, let's clap our hands and give him praise. Let Jesus take care of your business. Well, let me think about it. No, 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 no. You've already had enough scripture that was given in alignment. It was given according to truth that should convince anybody. Come on, let's lift our hands and give God the praise. This is what he did on Saturday. liberated the entire human race the possibility for limitless freedom to aspire to dream to be whatever God called you to be let's lift our hands I'm done preaching but there is a multitude there's a host of people here today you're not buried with him You might have believed he died for you, but you've not been buried if you've not been baptized in Jesus' name. But you can be today. Come on, let's lift our hands. Let's thank God for the truth. Thank God that there was somebody that preached this to me on Easter. Thank God I didn't have to chase Easter bunnies around and look for eggs and get a little bit of candy today. But I found somebody that dug something out of the vault of the Word of God. Let's do this. I preached a lot longer than I intended to. I appreciate your patience. Let's all come and gather around the front here for just a few minutes. We're just gonna we're just gonna pray and see what God will do. Let's let our visitors, friends, get have a front row seat right up here. This is what Jesus did. 
on the day that was not recorded. It took somebody way after the Holy Ghost was poured out to give a revelation of what happened on that day. And dear visiting friend of mine, this is for you. It takes one to know one. And there was nothing that could have given me hope. There was nothing that could have fixed me. Alcoholics Anonymous, let's lift our hands and give God all the praise. Oh, risen Savior, I praise you. Come on, let's praise him. Let's lift our voices. Is there anybody that wants to be free indeed? Is there anybody that wants to be free behind closed doors? Is there anybody that wants to be free in the deepest parts of their nature? Come on, lift your hands and lift your voice. There's a God here today. Cornerstone, look around you. Why don't you help somebody pray right now? Why don't you just... Don't infringe on their peace, but just just pray with somebody right now by the authority of the name of Jesus. Pray with somebody right now. Look around you. Let's just pray here for several moments. Somebody, this is your day to get free. Well, I, I didn't anticipate. I didn't anticipate that kind of freedom today. You didn't, but God did. 